Sportagious. Sport gets smarter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sportagious Cast, where we bring you insights into the sporting world, straight from athletes, sports bibs, sports professionals, and more. As you know, we have rebranded, so the video cast and audio cast have now merged together. So you get to hear it or watch it, listen in or view in, however you like, wherever you like. Today, our guest uh, is Herbir Guram, who is the technology practice lead for SportsX Consulting. He has over 15 years of technology experience working for organizations such as the English Football Association, Hawkeye Innovations, and Deloitte. And outside of work, he has two young boys that occupy a lot of his time and also a passion for playing and watching a number of different sports. Herbir, welcome to the show, mate. Nice to see you. Thanks for inviting me as well. Look, it's a pleasure to have you here, mate. And, and I'm really glad that we're finally making this happen because we talked about this quite a while ago. So <laughs> yeah, we did, yeah, we did. <laughs> so good to finally get into it. And look, first of all, you know, you, you have all this experience and you've done a work, you've done work with a range of different sports organizations. So starting off just very quickly, tell me a little bit about your story and you know your work within this world of sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um a bit about myself. So I, I graduated in uh, computer science. Um, I uh, entered that world really when the internet was in a boom period. So everybody was kind of jumping on the bandwagon around the internet and um, graduated and then decided I, I got a job fairly quickly and, and um, went into the world of data analytics. Um, this was really when it was in its infancy. So um, data was really kind of this dark art. People didn't really know a lot about it. Uh, they didn't know what you know what what you could do with numbers essentially, and how you could drive kind of performance um, alongside that. Um, my starting route was very much around kind of marketing, so customer insight, thinking about how you could use that data to try and effectively increase sales and your brand uh, presence. Um, so I did that for about nine years, and then got to a crossroads really where I wanted to try and push on and, and think about how I now deliver this strategy. So I was delivering. Uh, to, to, to my colleagues what, what they should be doing but now it was about how do I now do that and take that strategy forward so I had the privilege of working for Deloitte um, in the UK which was an unbelievable experience um, again it kind of uh, brought my knowledge out into the forefront some massive transformation projects out in multiple clients across uh, the UK and Europe um, really fast paced a lot of learning which is fantastic and then uh, after after kind of my um, stint there, I got the opportunity to work for the English FA um, at St George's Park when it had just um, just literally been opened about a year or so, and uh, to effectively um, grow the technology competency in and around that specific venue. Uh, so te- uh, St George's Park, for those that aren't aware, is where the England national team, the Football Association, English uh, Football Association, their teams all train. So twenty four England teams. Um, it's got um, the FA education element, so aspiring coaches wanting to become managers all in there. And just the venue itself, there's like 12 elite football pitches, uh, state-of-the-art hydrotherapy pools. It's it's an amazing, amazing venue. And alongside aside that, a 200-bedroom Hilton on site as well. So amazing, amazing venue um, and uh, a, a brilliant experience. And uh, it, that kind of allowed me to, to take the first step into sport. Um, so... I was working with the teams alongside their strategy um, for what they wanted to do, um, culminating to the 2018 World Cup. Um, 
and again an unbelievable experience um, delivered kind of a program of work for the support staff um, in accordance to that tournament um, and then had the opportunity to um, really think about what I wanted to do next which was uh, I kind of went down the route of, of looking at um, other, other types of sport I, I left sport to one side and decided that I, I wanted to try and see and absorb a little bit more around what was happening in kind of everyday business so I spent kind of 12 16 months on a, on a cyber security project and but at the same time wanted to work on sport um, I didn't want to leave it completely so I had the opportunity to work uh, for Hawkeye innovations and I continue to do that so that's basically doing all the setup of goal line technology and, and VAR, which I know is going to cause some controversy because <laughs> obviously uh, I, know, I know that that's, that, that's um, you know, that's hot topic right now, uh, but fantastic uh, com company, brilliant to be uh, working alongside of those guys. And then um, I got the opportunity to go into SportsX, so um, really met, the, met uh, one of the co-founders um, there, John, and um, we talked about building um, the consultancy business and leading the, the strategy for for sports um, technology. So right now I work with a number of clients across the US, um, Africa, uh, Middle East, um, really helping them with a number of different projects from strategy work to data analytics, um, to innovation, um, uh, fan engagement, et cetera, et cetera, as well. So really varied career, um, but I, I feel like um, the working sport is my passion and that's where I'm, I'm really gonna be pushing and heading towards. Yeah, wow. You know, that's so much, so much information. <laughs> a lot, a lot, yeah, no, but look, that is fantastic. And that's exactly why, um, you know, I did want to sort of chat to you and learn a little bit more and sort of uh, hopefully the people watching, listening will also enjoy. I'm sure they will appreciate what you uh, will be sharing with us. And, you know, you talked a little bit about data analytics in the beginning and how that's been part and parcel of what you've been doing across a lot of the work that you've done. Um, how does that tie in with some of the work that you're doing at the moment? You know, you talked about the various clients, the varied work that you have um, across the different areas. Where does that sports uh, sports analytics piece fit in? So I, I think at the minute, um, just just to kind of touch on me, so I've I realised that when I started to go into analytics, that I was my my kind of brain works in that way so I was very logical in how I thought about things very methodical um, so so I think because of that it plays a part in everything that I really do so anything from kind of um, uh, writing a, a kind of a pitch to it to a potential client um, there has to be some numbers to tell the story there has to be something that you can go back with some facts around what you think about and what you could do and what, what, what value you could add Likewise, when you're going through a project, when you're actually delivering something to the end client, there has to be a story at the end. And again, the story is usually merited through figures and analytics. That's where you get the credibility. Um, so it, it plays a part in everything that I do. Um, in terms of specific work, you know, anything from kind of doing data strategies for clients, so thinking about what they should be doing right now with multiple sources coming into the marketplace, you know, there are more and more tools that people are looking at, considering buying. Um, there's kind of uh, what we're doing with social media, with fan engagement, huge, huge kind of tools out there in, in the sports tech space. But it's about then thinking about how do you actually leverage the data that sits behind that 
where does that all sit and how can you now tie all of these disparate sources together to be able to start to tell the story um data really now is is, is a currency in itself you know you can yeah. you're, you're making money really through through data um but I, but i think for me um one of the key things that i really try and push on my clients is when i first started in kind of data analytics there was nowhere near the number of tools there are right now to use um, which has been great because you don't necessarily need to be a mathematician or a statistician to be able to start to pull out numbers but i think there has been because of that i think sometimes the the play is too much on the tool uh, the play is too much on how something looks the graphs yeah. the nice the nice pretty graphs and actually less time is potentially spent on the question what are you trying to answer what are you trying to find out what's the problem you're trying to trying to solve what's the hypothesis that you have prior to doing that piece of work you know what is the what's the vision of the company what do you, what do you want to do how is this going to impact on all of those things um, what 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 data are you bringing to the table do you have the data to be able to answer that question how can it be quantified? You know, all of these kind of questions that, that really need to be at the start of the journey. Um, and I think sometimes people are just going straight in and going, right, we've got this tool. Here's some data. We're going to make something happen. And then this is what we're going to show. And actually, was that really what you wanted to show right at the start? So yeah. I'm very keen on people kind of having a vision and, and thinking about about what they want to do. And, um, you know, I was on a, I was on a, a webinar yesterday and it was a real fantastic kind of analogy that was given around around kind of cultures and bringing kind of people together and thinking about things in the same way and and the gentleman who was on the call kind of uh, alluded to three kind of um, points or areas where people can bring data and people together around having one single focus and that was around kind of having a language so having the same language between the people that you're talking to so how you talk to your key stakeholders is is really important you don't need to you, sh you should know that they're not going to be interested in kind of um real heavy uh, analytics or statistics it needs to be tailored in the right way fostering that culture within the team so making sure that people understand that this is the way of working this is what you want to do this is what, where you want to go and then building the system around it all uh, building the building the systems around all that so for me that's that's really where um how i kind of tie it tie it all the kind of analytics practices together with with myself and my clients as well yeah look that that gives me a very sort of interesting uh question because obviously herbert you've been involved within this space in so many different sports and different areas um maybe this is a very basic question but i think you know there's a lot of value in it in that when a sport does data right, or a particular organization within sport it does data right, is there a distinct sort of, uh, I guess, how, how would I say this? Is there a distinct separation between the ones who are doing it right and the ones who are not, and how that's impacting uh, whatever they are sort of focusing on for the future? So let's say if we're talking about fan engagement, um, if they're doing data right in that space, uh, is it very easy to tell that the work that's coming out of that, you can actually say, yes, these guys know what they're doing and what sort of, what is the key difference, which you've sort of touched on a little bit. Um, yeah, that, I, yeah, I think you can, you, I think you can find that out very quickly when you start to ask the right types of questions and and, and it's whether they're able to answer those questions. Um, so 
for instance, if you're able to tell a story through your data, yeah. you know, so if you're able to ask certain questions around what can, can you show me what happens when, um, you know, what, what, how, do you, how do you forecast your sales over the next 12 months? What are you planning to do with your customer profile? Um, what does Generation Z look like for you? Uh, where, where do you see the future of your sport and how does data supplement that? Um, all of, you know, very, very kind of high level questions. But if they are able to give you succinct answers around that and have validity around how the data can can help them answer that, yeah. then they've kind of joined up the dots a little bit. Then you can think, actually, they know a little bit how this how this could work. If they're not really able to answer some of those questions, then you dive a little bit deeper and you start to understand, okay, maybe they're not able to answer this because they don't have this particular piece of information or yeah. that particular piece of information as well. Um, and I guess th that for me, the other kind of key point to kind of raises as well is that sometimes you can be immersed with too much information. So, you know, I think sometimes people have the, the, the notion that they haven't got enough, but I think very, very quickly we're getting to a point where there's, we're almost being bombarded with so much. And then it's about actually understanding what is the key pieces of data that you really want to focus your attention on. It's back to the question. What are the questions that you're trying to answer? Yep. You know, don't try and cloud with other things to focus on what, what you're actually trying to do and then try and think about the data that supplements that. So for me, it's, it's all about the, the kind of those areas um, that, that hopefully um, that allow them to kind of push forward. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you, you, you work in that space. So my next question then is when we look at, you know, sports tech, which has seen this huge boom in recent years, it's become a, common word people understand what it is uh it's still very very broad and encompasses a whole range of different things but in from your perspective and obviously through the work that you have done uh what are some of the key i guess sports technologies to look out for uh in your opinion uh that you know organizations federations sports clubs uh and even all the way down to the level of the individual athlete who is looking to improve their performance by using a technology, all of that comes under sports tech. Um, what are, in your opinion, some of the sports technologies to sort of look out for and keep an eye for, in your opinion, in this rather uh, broader language, such as, you know, fan engagement and so on? Yeah, so I think, I think for me, um, I kind of differentiate kind of front end and back end or front office and back office. Yeah. So for me, if we take back office first, um, a lot of sports and, and society in general has really suffered from the pandemic that we're obviously all going through right now. And as a consequence, there's been, um, particularly in the UK, um, for a lot of national governing bodies, a huge reliance on the government to support them through this crisis. Now, I think for me, when we step out of this, and there will be a point where the government does actually step away because they'll, they'll, they'll have to, um, how do these businesses then become back to being kind of self-sustainable? And I think technology has a real role to play, play there. I think there are, uh, particularly in kind of the fan engagement space, I, I kind of group a lot of these things called, um, in a term called self-funding technology. Yeah. So when you actually have pieces of technology that, will actually generate revenue for you. Um, so I think there's a lot of things in the fan engagement space in particular um, that can actually, that people need to look and explore uh, and be willing to take, a, I say a risk, it's not really a risk, it's actually take a plunge really, um, because 
there's probably no with, with self-funding technology there's probably very minimal amounts you have to outlay because the essentially what the providers will usually do is give you some revenue in turn for, for actually generate you know generating this through but i think there's a lot of stuff to be done in, in that space i think um esports is a huge huge area for me um i think the generation z um sports fan right now uh, as we're seeing is a lot more uh, is looking at other kind of um, ways of digesting sport making yeah. it more palatable so it's about kind of shorter clips um, it's looking at very very digestible chunks people now may not want to sit through a, a 90 minute football soccer game you know they they want to just see the highlights or the goals and that's it yeah. so how do they now make this more appealing to them and it's utilizing things like esports as a mechanism to, to potentially do that you know to eventually tap into that audience and, and bring them on that journey as well um, from the front side i think kind of ai machine learning is is a huge topic um, i did a report very recently with with um somebody um uh, around all of this and i think there's there's a huge drive from kind of the performance perspective particularly sports science around taking all of this information um and very very quickly taking out any kind of bias, think, thinking about thinking out anything around um, human computational effort, it's all machine learning that's actually doing that, pumping out the figures. And then there is the human element of actually trying to understand that and think about what you do with that information once you've got it. But I, but I see that as a huge area going forward, particularly where you've got certain, um, certain sports and certain disciplines where you have an abundance of data. So, for an example, um, Formula One. Yeah. You know, the amount of diagnostics on a car are huge. Yeah. You know, if you could, if you can use machine learning in some way to try and give you further insight that you won't be able to number crunch physically as a human being, then then you're in a, I think you're in a really good situation there. Um, and then I guess kind of data analysis I touched on before. I think there's so much data out there. It's yeah. about trying to trying to you know clear that to one side and really focus on what's really going to be useful going forward. Um, I did a piece last week on my kind of weekly um, LinkedIn um, articles around um, crypto and, 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 and fan tokens that are all kind of kicking off now as well. So I see that as a huge thing as well that's going to be happening around people looking at um, new technology and how they monetize sport. Um, and then, to be perfectly honest with you, I think there's always going to be a play for traditional technology. So looking at things like your CRM system, your, um, your generic data warehouse, your ERP systems, your EPOS systems. Um, how they integrate, how they leverage data that they currently have with all this new information that's coming in. Um, so I think there's an abundance of different things. I'm, and to be honest with you, I'm really excited. Um, I've seen so much happen in, um, in just the last 12 months that I think um, I, I can only see there being more and more sophisticated technology applications out there um, for people to use. I think the key question is, back to the client, is what are they and how are they going to really make an impact? And that's what we try to do. And that's what I try to help my clients with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for everyone watching and listening, be sure to, you know, get in touch with her beer on LinkedIn. If you think uh, there's something that you can chat to him about. And even if not, be sure to just get in touch and connect with him so you can read his weekly pieces. Uh, you know, they, they in themselves will get give you a lot of value. Uh, we will share wherever you're watching or listening the link to his LinkedIn profile 
will be there in the description or the caption. So be sure to check it out. Uh, look, absolutely, Herbir. I think, um, you know, I'm really, really interested in the NFT side of things and how uh, having a share of a club, you know, can uh, really, really make things interesting. And, and the blockchain side of the world and crypto, I mean, there is, you know, big, big people talking about crypto now. And I think very recently, someone's even made NFTs for squash. So uh, it's, 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 wow. it's happening everywhere. And if it's happening at that yeah. level, there's certainly, you know, they've already got AC Milan tokens and Juventus mm-hmm. tokens that are out there. And um, I believe there's an exchange now for sports tokens solely. So that exists as well. So definitely, you know, I think the potential is endless. I did want to sort of shift trajectory here, though, and talk to you about something a little bit different, which we have spoken in the uh, about in the past, and I think that we're both fairly passionate about this space. Um, you know, when we talk of sports tech, and uh, it's still relatively young or small as a field, and it's, it's growing rapidly for sure, but when it comes particularly sort to sort of diversity and inclusion, uh, from my understanding, there's still a long way to go. Um, what have you observed, obviously having been in such a diverse uh, space within this world? And do you think that is the case? And if not, why not? Yeah, so I think... Um... I, I, you're right. I, I've been really, really lucky that um, I've I've worked with so many different types of people. Um, at uh, I can give the example at Deloitte. You know, when I was working on projects with them, um, on global projects, you would have literally people from Europe, from Africa, from Asia, all culminating and working on one specific project together. Um, I think there is work. I think at ground level, to be fair, I think there is a lot of people that are that are very diverse. Um, but I do still question at senior levels if, if that that's kind of um, resonating in people. That those people are actually getting in. I'm still an idealist. Um, I still want to believe that the best people get the jobs, regardless of their creed, their colour. Um, I really, I'm, I'd like to think that that was still happening. Um, and I do believe that, you know, it's, for me, it's about understanding people's beliefs that are really important. I think that's that's the that's the key part of it, the education side. So um, if I talk about myself, so I'm, I'm a Sikh origin. Um, my closest friends when I grew up, they were um, they were all, all white. Um, I've known them since I was 11 years old. Um, they understand my religion. They understand my faith. Uh, they've grown up alongside me. So they understand all of that. Um, they text me when it's Diwali. They text me when it's Vasaki. They they know the protocols of entering a, a temple, a Gurdwara. Um, they've immersed themselves in my culture because they're my friends. Um, they've even visited India, where I've you know where our family home is as well. So I think education is key. Um, it's to all of this, and it's. It's not about kind of ramming it down people's throats. You know, this is what you need to do. It's all about um, us all having a part to play. Um, and being proud of kind of who you are, you know, and and, and, and opening the door and, and showing people that. And naturally, they'll have questions. But that's no, that's no different to anybody else who's going to 
do the same thing and, and they'll answer those questions. And I think if you have that level of um, kind of dialogue and, and like I mentioned, education, then I think barriers are broken very, very quickly. And now, you know, I've, I'm just I'm just one of the one of the, one of the gang, really. You know, so it's it's there's no there was no difference for me in that regard with with, with the people that I was that I immersed myself with. Um, so that's my kind of take on it right yeah. now, I suppose. Sure, sure, no, absolutely, and and dialogue, I completely agree, is is without a doubt uh, key in mm-hmm. in every situation. And look, Herbie, I feel like we can keep on chatting about a lot of things, and uh, I. Off screen, I, I'm pretty certain I would like to pick your brains on a lot of uh, <laughs> further questions and, and that sort of thing. But just before we conclude, I did want to ask um, what's sort of next in your journey uh, in, in the sports tech world? What have you got coming up? Is there anything that you're working on that you want to share? Uh, really over to you. Uh, well, I suppose for me right now... Um... The future, I don't, I don't, I generally don't know. I think I don't, I didn't expect to be where I was right now, maybe two, three years ago. Um, I've had some unbelievable experiences and I continue to have those. Um, I'm, uh, I think my focus right now is obviously building my, 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 I'm working on behalf of my clients and building the, the practice for the technology practice for SportsX. Um, where that takes me, I, I genuinely don't know, but I, I I love working with great people. I love working in, in sport. It's my passion. Um, and then, you know, if, if you're kind of working in your in your space when it's your passion, it's not really work. And that's the way that I see it. I kind of, I, w- I would quite, quite quite happy to just kind of continue working in the in the space. And um, yeah, I, I guess I, I don't really know. I, I guess the, the future is, is kind of open and I'm, I, I treat it in that way as well. Something might pop up in the next six to 12 months and who knows. So um yeah, I'm treating it as it comes. Fantastic. Well, look, I wish you all the best. And obviously, we're going to keep in touch and, uh, you know, see how things go. But thank you so much for coming on to the Sportages cast. Uh, it was a pleasure, as always, to talk to you. And to once again, to everyone watching or listening, be sure to get in touch with Herbier on LinkedIn. Uh, we will. We have shared the, his social media accounts below. So, do check them out. And as you know, the Sportageous cast is available on YouTube to watch. And then you can listen to it on all your favorite platforms from Apple, Google, uh, and everything else where you can possibly listen to a podcast. So thank you once again, Harbir. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thanks, Thanks. Take care. Bye. Thank you.